Welcome back to Resolved. We all encounter difficult issues at times. Life can get tough and it may seem impossible. But no matter what and through it all, Jesus Christ is the answer. And through Him, we can rise up and be more than conquerors. Today's message is about not giving up. We've all been tempted to give up at times. Let's take a look at what the Bible has to say about it. You're listening to program number 37 of Resolved. Now, let's join Pastor Tom Porter. So, as we look now at the book of Acts, chapter 18, beginning at verse 1. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth, and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born of Pontus, lately come from Italy, and his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome, and came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them, and wrought, for by their occupation they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath, and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit, and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From henceforth I will go into the Gentiles. And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's uh, house named Justice, one that worshipped God and whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And and, uh, Cyprus, or Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house, and many of the uh, Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, Be not afraid, but speak, and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. For I have much people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. Father, bless our message, your message today to, to us, to me, to the people that are here. God, help me to preach in fullness and in truth under the power of the Holy Spirit. And God, may people be receptive, may people be encouraged, may people that are tired and weary and depressed and ready to give up, God, may they see that that it's never a good time to give up when you're in a low state, to stay by the stuff, to not quit. In Jesus' name we pray these things. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. I suppose all of us at some time or another have gotten depressed. <clears throat> you can't live too, too, uh, too long on this earth without getting depressed, and I'm talking about kids. You ever lost your marbles? Now I'm not talking about your brains, okay? But we were talking Wednesday after, after uh, church, we were talking about playing real marbles, you know, the Steelies and the Shooters and the Cat Eyes. Remember those? How many of y'all played marbles when you were a little kid? Yeah, we went outside. We took the heel of our shoe and we dug it in that Georgia clay there in Columbus, Georgia. And we went like this and spun around. And, and how many of y'all remember doing that? Yeah, sure. That's, that's how you played marbles and, uh, and, and spent all day. And, and I, one time I had my marbles stolen and, and I was so depressed. It doesn't take us long to live on this life to start feeling depressed. Have you ever said or thought in the heat of the moment, I'll leave this job. I'll leave this church. I'll leave my family. They'll see how much they miss me once I'm gone. They don't appreciate me. 
They'll wish they had treated me differently. You ever heard those words? Often we have some of these feelings. Have you ever said this? Uh, uh, There's no use. The harder I try, the worse things get. I'm not going to witness to people because people don't want to listen anyway. I'm just spinning my wheels. I'm getting nothing done. Will I ever find happiness again? I'm tired of the daily grind. Life is mundane, repetitive. It's like Chinese water torture. I know about these feelings because I've heard you talk to me about them. And for some of you, you've heard me talk to you about them. Sometimes God's people need a spiritual second wind, and that's what I want to I touch on as I prayed this week. God, what would the people have to hear this week? What is it you want me to say? It's an awesome responsibility. It's, it's not just, you know, throwing up a bunch of sermons and whatever falls down, you know, that's the one you're going to preach or whatever. It's not like that. I want, I want the sermons to be able to, to hit the heart of the people. I want it, and it will be amazing how a sermon over here will deal with somebody's heart over here entirely different than somebody's heart over here. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit uh, appropriates the need. He will will do the the spiritual um, healing in your life. So let's look at a few men in the Bible who have some of these thoughts. One thing I know, one thing I know about the Bible, I appreciate about the Bible, is God does not sugarcoat the people in the Bible, the characters in the Bible. You, you know, when you, when you want to brag on somebody, you don't give the negative. But God gives the negative along with the positive. You ever noticed that? Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old and a liar. Sarah laughed at God's promises. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Moses had a stuttering problem and a short fuse. Miriam was a gossip. Gideon was afraid. Samson had long hair and was a womanizer. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. David started off too young. Then his armor didn't fit. Then he had an affair. Solomon was too rich. Elijah was burned out, suicidal. Jeremiah was depressed. Jonah ran from God. Hosea's wife was a prostitute. John the Baptist ate bugs. Martha worried about everything. (coughs) The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep while praying. Thomas doubted. John Mark was rejected by Paul. Paul himself was too religious. Plus, he was a murderer along with Moses and David. See, God God doesn't sugarcoat. God doesn't paint a a beautiful picture about everybody but we're forgiven in christ when we know christ is our savior here's a list of men of who god had at one time they were depressed moses the greatest leader handpicked by god their survey was taken of all the people you want to see when you get to heaven who do you want to see first jesus top of the list second moses what a, what a hand-picked leader Moses was. But he didn't start out that way, did he? He was a stutterer. He, he was afraid. He did kill. But Moses, in Numbers eleven fifteen, he said to God, If thou deal thus with me, kill me, I pray thee. He was depressed. You ever been there? 
Joshua, the greatest general, handpicked by God once again to lead Israel into the promised land. But in Joshua 7, 7, Joshua said this, Would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. Why do we even come over here? In other words, he is saying, why do we serve God and, and after a great defeat, you know, and, and, and now things aren't looking so good. Elijah, the greatest prophet of the Old Testament, willing to challenge the idolatry of his day, called fire from heaven, stood against the prophets of Baal, wrought great victories, but then he said to himself, it is, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life. Job, we talked about his patience and faith, and, and, and he was truly a great man, but he had a great beginning and a great ending, but in between, he, he, was, he lost everything. He lost his whole family. He wished he had not been born. He became suicidal and extremely depressed for a period of time. Job 3.3 says, Let the day perish wherein I was born. Jonah he wanted to, to, God to kill him. He was spiritually depressed and not even happy for the souls that were saved there in Nineveh. He wasn't even happy about it. That's depressed. Paul, in our text in Acts 18, we find Paul. He's on his second missionary journey, and he's arriving from Athens to Corinth. Oh, my, Corinth. Man, what a wicked sin city Corinth was. He was experiencing a low time in his life. He was, had depression written all over him. But in, in Corinthians 2, 3, Paul says of that time in Acts, Paul says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. In other words, God, uh, uh, I was far from being strong. I was nervous and I was a bit shaky about the whole deal. And all of us, maybe it's a new job. Maybe it's a new school. Maybe it's... You're moving somewhere, and we all get uh, it's something new, and we get a little shaky, and we get a little fearful. But he was fatigued. He had walked 53 miles. He was alone. He was bivocational, which meant he, was a, he, he worked a job. He preached, but he worked a job. He was a tent maker. He had a sense of failure. They called him a babbler, a bird brain. Frustrated. Now, this is Paul. Wrote most of the New Testament. He was frustrated, leaving a city of idolatry and heading for the worst in the world of immorality, sin city. The goddess of sex, Aphrodite, and a thousand prostitutes sold their bodies in the temple in the name of religion. He was unappreciated. And he later wrote to the people of Corinth, listen to this, 2 Corinthians 12, 15, he writes, and I, listen, has this ever happened to you? He says, and I will very gladly spin and be spent for you, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. Have you ever heard the saying, you hurt the ones you love the most? Yeah? Have you ever dealt with somebody, perhaps you've been a caregiver, and, and how mistreated you felt you were by, by, the, by the parent, perhaps, that loved you with all of his or all of her heart. Have you ever tried to help somebody and you thought the more you helped them, uh, it, it's just the worse it got? You felt like you were not being appreciated at all. This is, this, these, these 11 verses right here, God's going to speak to you about this. 
Here's, what God, here's how, how God ministered to Paul. He gave him some promises. But the Lord came to Paul on this day and showed him that trying times, listen very carefully, trying times are not the time to quit trying. Don't make rash decisions when you're distraught, when you're depressed, when you're discouraged. That is not the time to make a rash decision. I, I, I went to, I flew from Chattanooga, that, that, I'm sorry, from Chicago down to Chattanooga uh, where I'd graduated from uh, school there at Tennessee Temple and, and I wanted to meet with uh, Dr. Lee Robertson. So I made an appointment and uh, um, I booked a flight and I, and I flew down there by myself. I, I, was, I was wavering. I, I didn't know God's will for my life and, and I wanted, I was working with Kraft Corporation. I was working in their research and development lab and, and, and things were going good. I was progressing, getting raises. And uh, I worked all my, all, all five years in school. I crammed four years into five as a lab technician. And, and so that got me in the door at Kraft Corporation in North Chicago. And my wife worked at a bank where a guy called in. And he said, listen, would you transfer $8 million out of my checking account and put it in my savings account? Can you imagine having $8 million? He had $13 million in his checking account. But he wanted $8 million to put over there in savings a little bit. Things were going well. Now, the cost of living in North Chicago is extremely high. But it was going well. We were moving up. But I was convicted in my heart, this is not where God wanted me to be. God did not want me to be a, a lab technician. Uh, you know, how do you spell cheese? K-R-A-F-T, you know? Making cheese faster and better than, than, than God. It's so funny. A craft corporation has spent billions of dollars trying to make cheese faster. God has the formulation. And you can't rush it. You really can't. And so I, I, uh, I said, I got to go to Chattanooga. I got to go talk to Dr. Lee Robertson, and, and I've got to get some advice from him. So got there. I was sitting in the lobby, and the secretary came out, and she said, Brother Porter, he's ready to see you now. And I, I go in. He's got a big oak desk and a big glass window and overlooks this, the campus. And I went in there, and, and uh, he is so kind and, and just such a wonderful, godly man. And and I sat down, he said, sit down, Brother Porter, and scoot your chair up. And, and uh, so I was sitting across from him, and he got out a clean white sheet of paper and a black felt-tip pen. Remember those days, the flare pens, you know? And I thought, great, he's going to give me a, an outline. Ten things, you do these ten things, you, you'll know God's will for your life. And he filled that page with a huge question mark. He turned it around, and he slid it across his desk. And he said, is that you? I said, yes, sir, that's me. He said, don't move until God removes the question mark. Huh. Now, I've learned later on in life, that's not always the case. But in his discernment about me, he knew that's what I needed to hear. Don't move until God removes the question mark. So here Paul is, and, and, and he's, he's, he's upset, and, and, and you think, man, the more I try, the harder I try, the worse things get, and, and, and listen, don't quit trying when you're ready to quit. Keep on keeping on. 
In verse 11, he didn't quit. He continued. Why? Because God told him in verses 9 and 10, it's too soon to quit. Look at verse 9. Then the Lord said to Paul in the night in the vision, Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace, for I am with thee. No man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. We have the promise of God, God's uh, presence. I am with thee. I am with thee in, uh, in all times of loneliness. Jesus said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. We had, we had people come. We had 76 people come to the altar a couple of weeks ago, and they laid down, they wrote down their burdens on a piece of paper. You recall this, and, and they just laid it here on the altar, and, and we collected them, and I waited a week, over a week, to read those burdens. I deal with burdens of people and myself every single day. And I just, I just didn't want to burden myself, but I, I, I knew I would, and, and the time was right. And the Lord said, go ahead and open those up. And uh, nobody signed any of them as requested, and, and I started reading them and going through them, and I started categorizing them. I know there's 76 total, and I don't, I, don't, I don't know the math, but the majority of the burdens dealt with family in this church. The majority, there were more than 76 people here, but the 76 that came forward, the majority of the burdens were dealing with family. The second most highest rate of burdens in our church dealt with health, particularly cancer, but a lot. It was like 36 on family. It was about 28 or so on, on health. And uh, then the, the next was kind of miscellaneous. But there was one. There's always one when you do something like this. There's always one that just stands out. And it read, and I, I'll just paraphrase it, but it said this. I need to learn to do things better so that I don't have to depend upon God. That's sad. That's sad. I thought, oh my. No, we need to depend upon God. We need to depend upon God. And I don't know who that person is, but I will tell you, if you're here today, you need to work as hard as you can as if it all depends upon you. And you need to have faith in God as if it all depends upon Him. And so in that sense, maybe, maybe that person's just a lazy person. Maybe that person's just, well, I'm just not trying. Maybe that person's just saying, I need to try. Well, then, then, then good. Good and good. Paul <clears throat> depressed, and he knows that God will never, he, God says it right there in His Word. Again, He says it all through the Scripture, but He says it there. He says, I, I, will, I will not leave thee. I will be with thee. And then He's with us in the valleys Psalms 23, and yea, though I walk through the valley. You walk through it. You don't stay there. You're walking through it. You don't park there. Yea, though I walk. You're not running. You're not afraid. You don't need to be afraid. And yea, though I walk, not run through. Don't stay there. The valley of the shadow of death. Shadows cannot harm us. You've heard me say before, I've never seen the shadow of a pit bulldog bite anybody. Shadows cannot. Isn't, David, isn't God awesome to have it written this way? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Yea, though I walk, not run through, don't stay there, the, the shadow that can't harm us, thou art with me. Isn't that great? Jesus comes and takes us. A little boy was sad in school. He had gotten home and, to his mother, and he said, Mom, it was a sad day. He said, over Christmas break, Johnny's daddy died. And he came, and, 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 and the teacher said, you know, how was it? And little Johnny, eight years old, put his head flat on his desk. Her son said, and mommy, he just cried. And mommy said, what did you do, Johnny? 
He said, I didn't know what to do. I just put my head on my desk and I cried too. The Bible says that Jesus is touched. We, we serve not a, 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 paraphrasing, we serve not a Lord that's not touched with the feelings of our firmities. Jesus Christ is touched with the feelings of your depression. He's touched with the feelings of your despondency. He's touched with the fact that perhaps you're willing and ready to quit, but don't quit. Stay to the stuff. Don't give up. It's too soon to quit. We have the promise of his presence. We also have the promise of his protection. It says there in verse 10, no man shall set on thee and hurt thee. You know God controls that. When, when, when Satan came to Job and God says, you can do whatever you want, but don't kill him. God controls that. And God says, I want to protect you until you're finished, until your dying day. God says, I'm not going to have you die. He appoints our bounds. He says, I'm not going to have you die until it's time for you to die. And many times we wonder as we're by the, uh, the, the, the bedside of a, of a loved one and we wonder the days go on and on and on. Who can know the mind of God? God, in His, in his wisdom, he, God is just orchestrating things and there's reasons that we'll never know until we get to heaven. But I'm here to tell you that God told him, He said, they're not going to harm you. God can, can control that. The Apostle Paul said, I have finished my course. Jesus Christ said on Calvary's cross, it is finished. God has a purpose for your life, greater than your job. A purpose for your life. We talk about before you're even born, before you're even conceived, God knew your name. God knew what you were going to look like. He knew your skeleton. He knew your bones and all the increases fearfully and wonderfully made, the Bible says. God's put us all together. But until your work here is done, God's not finished with you. The devil can't harm you. Man can't hurt you. There's no accidents with God. He and he alone will call you home when the time is right. That cartoon character, Calvin and Hobbes, in the cartoon it said, God put on earth, God put me on earth to accomplish a certain number of things. And he told Hobbes, right now, I'm so far behind, I'm never going to die. So good to know that nothing can happen without the Lord's permission. You're His child. To live in Christ, to live is Christ, to die is gain, Paul writes. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. So don't give up. Don't quit too soon. Ahead of us, He's our guide. Behind us, He's got your back. Under us, He's the everlasting arms. Above us, we, he's our he's our ever present uh he's he's ever present with us if you're not saved you don't have that assurance you don't have that protection in this life and certainly not in eternity we have god's potential i want to close with this look at verse look at verse 10 the end of verse 10 it says for i have much people in this city i'm sure paul said are you kidding me I mean, they got whores at the temple. Are you kidding me, God? I've never been to Las Vegas, but I've talked to people that have gone. They call it a place Sin City. And I talked to somebody one time, I said, well, are there a lot of Christians there? He said, man, I don't know if there's any Christians there. Now, I know Zandra and her husband, her whole family lived right outside of Las Vegas, had a Baptist church. There's a gospel witness there. And thank God. So when I think of Paul at Corinth, I think of 
that Baptist church there in Las Vegas. I want you to get this. If you get nothing else out of the message today, I want you to get this. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Turn. Open your Bible. Get to it. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. It's the promise of God's potential. And I, I gave you my example of potential last, but here's God's potential. God didn't see the perverts of the city for what they were, but for what they're going to be. Let me say that again. God didn't see the perverts of the city for what they were, but for what they were going to be. That's potential. Years later, here's what's happened. Fast forward now. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Here in Corinth, God speaks and he says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? It's a question mark. Unrighteous. You're not in Christ. You're not saved. You're not born again. You're not going to enter the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Here we go. And such were some of you. You see, it's, it's all about the grace of God. We can, we can point our fingers at what is wrong with, with society and what's wrong with people, and God looks at a multitude of people, and yes, He weeps. Yes, He has compassion upon them. He has compassion. He doesn't have hatred upon them. He has compassion. And He says, and such were some of you. Anybody here ever lied? Yeah. Stolen anything? Yeah. Look at a woman with lust? Yeah. Well, there you are. You're there. You're in it. But God. Bothered by the world? See them the way God sees them in the future. God says at Temple Baptist Church, I have much people in this city. I have much people in this city. And we can, we, can, we can sit at home and say, just, you know, curse God and die, but that's not God's plan. We puff up Paul and say, oh, what a great, great guy he was. He didn't used to be. <laughs> he signed death warrants for people. He hated Christians. He persecuted Christians. The greatest scripture in the Bible is it came to pass. That's one of the greatest. It came to pass. It's not, the big, it's not the best advice. I don't ever give this advice to people that are going through some deep waters in their life. Well, just hang in there. It, it, just, you know, it, it came to pass. You know. This too shall pass away. You know, They're not really particularly wanting to hear that just then. But the truth of the matter is, don't quit. Don't quit. How many times in your life have you wanted to quit and you didn't quit because you knew that, hey, you know what? I'm so glad I didn't quit. Dr. Lee Robertson he, he wrote out his resignation. They said every Sunday night, he'd wrote, write out his resignation. And then he'd tear it up Monday morning. He wouldn't quit. But he felt like quitting. He felt like it wasn't going well. Felt like he wasn't doing enough. He felt inadequate. And all of us have those feelings. Don't quit. What do you, what do you find yourself focused on most in your life? 
What is it that you're focusing your life on? What do you spend the most time with? Is there time in your day to focus on your spiritual life? I beg you, find time every day to spend on the spiritual part of who you are. Get right with God. First of all, if you're not saved, you need to be saved. Have you been born again? If not, receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. No, I had a lady tell me, you know, people just, people get mad when I talk to them. They say, I'm good enough. That's why you got to give them the law. You got to give them the law. You got to let them see that they're lost. And the law is a pretty good place to show them that they're lost. Somebody that's proud and puffed up, well, I'm good enough. I can make it on my own. I'm all right. My good outweighs my bad. Well, does sin ever get to heaven? Well, no. Have you ever stolen anything? Well, yeah. Have you ever lied? Yeah. Go right down the line. And by their own admission, they'll admit to you that they have sinned. And sin can't get to heaven. So then you just simply ask them, what are you going to do about that? Sin can't go to heaven. You're a sinner. You just admitted it. They admitted it. See, the law does that. Oh, we need, we need not to quit. We need not to give up. And we need, we need to admit to God that we're a sinner in need of a Savior. If you're, not, if you're not saved today, please, I implore you, come forward and receive Christ as your Savior. For those of you that are saved, what adjustments do you need to make? What adjustments do you need to make? I bought a, a scope the other day, and, and I was tweaking with it and having, getting some help and, and tweaking with it, and, and, and I had to focus that, that scope right on the mark. Some of you aren't, make, aren't meeting, the, you're not hitting the mark. You're not hitting the spiritual mark in your life, and you know it. You've let prayer go by the wayside. You're not, you haven't opened God's Bible since last Sunday when you took it off the dash of your car coming in the parking lot. Let me, let me beg you, get back in your Bible. Start reading it. Ask me, what, what do I need to do? I'll, I'll give you some helps along the way to help you in your Bible reading, to help you be encouraged about it. I read it, I don't understand it. I can help you with that. So if you're here today and you're, you're missing the mark, let me encourage you, get with God and say, God, God's a God of second chances, hallelujah. Get with God and say, God, I need to do better. God already knows that, but God delights in us going to Him and saying, Lord, I need to do better. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Tom Porter of Temple Baptist Church in Titusville, Florida. I would like to thank you for joining me in this podcast and bringing the good news that Jesus Christ is the risen Savior. There is no problem too big and no blessing too small when Jesus is the Lord of our lives. I would like to ask you a question. When you die, where will you spend eternity? Will you spend it with Jesus forever or be eternally separated from Him? You know, the Bible says, Whosoever calleth upon the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved from their sins. You know, it's God's desire for you to have faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. Your sins have separated you from God. You must admit to God that you're a sinner and ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. Jesus bridges that gap between you on this earth and heaven. Will you accept Jesus as your personal Savior today? It's easier than you think. You can pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I admit to you that I'm a sinner. I realize that you paid the penalty for my sins on the cross, and I want to receive you into my life right now. Save me from my sins. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
If you just prayed that prayer with me, then you've been born into the family of God. Thanks for listening. Resolved is a production of Temple Baptist Church, Titusville, Florida, USA. If you wish to send us a question or comment, reach out to us by email at resolved.tbc at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at Resolved Podcast. Make sure you visit our website at www.templebc.net. If you're ever in our area, we hope that you'll come by and see us. Remember, Jesus is Lord. Take care and God bless you.